Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 148 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 148 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from the MVP Arena in Albany, New York. And we are four days away from Survivor Series War Games going down live from the TD Garden in Boston, Mass. Massachusetts promises to be a very fun night. Two War Games matches are on tap for the men and the women. I'm looking forward to the Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes alongside Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. Are we a bit more than Team Belair versus Team Damage Control? Because they've been beefing since the end of July. That has been three long months gone on four. I love everyone in this match heading into this weekend but the sooner we blow things off and move on to the warrior rumble the better but let's kick things off with kevin owens coming out to a great ovation from the albany crowd as he notes the reason why he joined team brawling brutes alongside Drew mcintyre at survivor series it is not because Sami Zayn is a part of the bloodline for this matchup he's here for one specific person and that person is the undisputed wwe universal champion roman reigns the tribal chief the head of the table, that's the guy he wants because Kevin Owens believes he had three chances to beat this dude in a TLC match, a steel cage match, and a last man standing match three times in a row. And the bloodline alongside Paul Heyman cost him a shot to end this streak before it began over two years ago. And he wants another crack at the champ. And if he beats him at war games, he believes he can pin him and end this crap once and for all. And I'm here for that because it should be noted that during this run for Roman Reigns, maybe outside of the exception of Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, has never been visually pinned by Roman Reigns. That is a fact. And therefore, Kevin Owens is one of the very few people that can believably beat Roman Reigns for that championship. Will it happen someday? We'll see. But the man's got a case as we get the brawling brutes. Sheamus, Rich Holland, and Butch coming out alongside Drew McIntyre to set their team up for war games. And then we get another faction coming out in the form of of Judgment Day. And Rhea Ripley tells Drew McIntyre to shut up. This is our show. This is our turf. Get out of here. Damian Priest reiterates that and Finn Balor says no. This is where the real power is. Go back to SmackDown. But since I'm out here, I want to let AJ Styles know that he's been stealing from me for years. I'm taxing that ass Survivor Series and collecting what's owed to me. I love that line by Finn Balor. Then we get some beef between Finn Balor and Sheamus. And I think they've never had a singles match in WWE, if I'm not mistaken. I'm shocked. So I'm thinking to myself, we're going to get Sheamus and Finn Balor one-on-one. I'm hyped. But we get a six-man tag instead involving the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Rich Holland, and Butch versus Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio repping Judgment Day. And we get a brawl before the match takes place. We come back and Kevin Owens is on guest commentary. And the match is fairly good as Priest and Finn Balor work over Butch for a bit. I love the elevated leg drop to Butch by Priest at one point. Eventually, Dominic Mysterio gets a hot tag and he has a nerve to work over Butch. That did not last long as Butch breaks the fingers of Dominic Mysterio. Sheamus gets the hot tag and goes after Dom. Dom runs for his life as he should like Scrappy do. The OC come out to stop Dom in his tracks and we get a parade of finishes from all members representing Judgment Day and the Brawling Brutes and Sheamus is going to knee strike the fuck out of Dominic 
It was gnarly. I loved it. 20 beats of the battering, followed by a bro kick to Dominic for the win that made fans very, very happy because they can't stand Dominic Mysterio because he treats his father like shit. After the match is over, more fighting amongst Judgment Day and the OC. And I got to give Luke Gallows this. He kicked the ever-loving shit out of Demi Priest, upside his head. He falls down and collapses like a chalk outline on Law & Order, which I appreciate greatly. Finn Balor is all alone in the ring, wondering, where are my friends? I'm all alone, out on a limb. And Kevin Owens appears in the mainframe and drops Finn with a stunner to wrap up the opening segment of Monday Night Raw, roughly 30 minutes to the show. I liked it. It was a lot of fun. The crowd was hyped for all of it. And this is where the show peaked for me in terms of excitement, but it was not all bad. As we get deeper into this episode... As we segue to Johnny Gargano against The Miz, but it was not Johnny wrestling versus The Miz. It was The Miz picking Omos as his replacement due to a hand injury, allegedly. I don't believe it, but I digress on all of that. They switched up Johnny wrestling's theme song. I don't like this remix of Rebel Heart. Give me back the girl that sang the song originally because this ain't it. I'll even take the Way theme song over this mess, which was played over the speakers during last night's Raw. And I don't know what WWE Creative is doing with Johnny Gargano. Having a match with Omos, fighting valiantly, going up top, getting caught, getting choke slammed by Omos, getting beat by Omos in three minutes or less. Johnny Wrestling grabbed a mic in early August and he told the world that he was going to go after a championship or two en route to WrestleMania. I need that to be the refocused plan heading into 2023 because he needs to get the hell away from The Miz and Dexter Loomis as soon as possible. I need this guy in comparable feuds to showcase how great he is as a wrestler. Yes, he has a personality that can be funny, that can pop you, but this guy's bread and butter is being a goddamn professional wrestler delivering four plus star matches on the regular. Just saying. Next up is Seth Rollins. Calling out Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley ahead of their triple threat match for the U.S. Championship at Survivor Series War Games this Saturday. I will say this for Seth. The suit game was egregious last night. It reminded me of those old sand in a jar projects I did in sixth grade art class where I would basically use chalk to color in salt and I would layer the salt bit by bit into this jar to give us sand in a jar. Very colorful and pretty. That was Seth's suit last night. I cannot not look at it. It was very bright, very bowed, very loud, and I kind of hated it. The blonde hair threw it off even more. But then he did something that I did not like because I want Seth Rollins to be a baby face. But he was back to being kind of zany and cookie last night, which was a bit much for me. And then he invoked a name that thou shalt not invoke when he is not on screen. And I'm talking about the American nightmare, Cody Rhodes. We know when Cody comes back, he's coming for Seth Rollins. There is still beef there dating back to last summer. So I don't need Seth mentioning him in passing regarding what he's going to do to Austin Theory at Survivor Series War Games. It's a hint that maybe he's not a clear-cut babyface after all because we know damn well Cody's gunning for Seth. He took him out with the sledgehammer shot to the peck, the torn peck at that. So when I think about the face turn, 
I think about Cody in the back of my mind. Ain't no way you're bringing back Cody as a heel when he's rightfully pissed off at a man that cost him six months of his career. Point blank, period. So WWE has a track carefully with this face turn. Because if it's not going to last long, pull the plug right now. Don't half-ass it. Don't tease it. The Cody factor lingers in my head because I know that's the story when he comes back. Early next year, presumably at the Warrior Rumble, he is going to come for Seth Rollins. So even though I love Seth as a face, I do wonder in storyline, why now? When there's a big story with Cody coming down the road very, very soon. So we'll see how they play it. But I was not a big fan of this pivot last night. Meanwhile, Austin Theory cuts an amazing rebuttal promo on Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. And this guy is in a complete 180 in the last couple of weeks. He's gone from a selfie loving guy, next spit thing, next champ on deck to being a guy that's hit rock bottom. But for him, it's never felt so good. He has nothing to lose now. He's not a kid. He's a man on the mission to really be the next face of WWE, a surly, mean, mugging face. And I love it. So I love the layers Theory has shown me on the mic and in the ring and how he attacks people. It's nice to see. It shows range. I knew he can be a lovable dumbass. But this is money. This will get him over in the long term. This is what a potential main eventer looks like. And he's learned quickly. And I applaud him for that. It's not easy to do. And I'm glad that Triple H pulled back on the push a bit. Let's realign the stars. Let's get the briefcase off of him. Let's reset the table for next year and get him over as a mean mugging heel that can actually get the proper amount of heat, unlike some people on the show, which I'll get to shortly. But great job by him, which segues us into Theory versus Mustafa Ali. And I immediately felt bad for Ali because Theory needs to win a bit more heading into his U.S. Championship match against Lashley and Rollins at Survivor Series War Games on Saturday. And Ali is so good, but the booking as of late has been a choice and not a good one. But he fights. He gives it his all. He lands a super kick on Theory at one point. He delivers a sunset flip powerbomb on Theory. Goes up top, lands a 450 splash. But the ribs that were hurt by Bobby and aggravated by Ricochet this past Friday on SmackDown in a World Cup quarterfinals match. And the bat ribs prevent Ali from covering Theory for the win. Theory rolls out of the ring and he recovers while slamming Ali into the barricade. And he hits the A-Town down on Ali for the win. After the match is over, Theory calls out Bobby Lashley as we go to commercial break. We come back and both guys trade barbs on the mic as Theory blames Lashley for costing him a shot at the U.S. Championship by screwing up his cash-in attempt on Seth a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Raw. Bobby's ready to maul Theory when Theory mentions the fact that Bobby was beaten by Brock Lesnar a few weeks ago at Crown Jewel and Bobby and Austin Theory got into it at ringside. Theory grabs a steel chair and he hits Bobby in the back with it. Bobby no-sells it and he proceeds to chase down Theory who runs through the crowd. He runs backstage. Bobby gives chase. Ali's in the gorilla position and he is used as a shield to protect Theory. As Theory throws Ali into Bobby Lashley, Ali shoves Bobby asking him what the hell is going on and then Bobby proceeds to beat down Ali again. My poor, poor Mustafa Ali keeps getting unnecessary smoke. How are we supposed to build him up as a baby face? By beating him down like this every single week. It's not helping. The fans view him as a joke. He is immensely talented in the ring. He can get over as a baby face if he can talk for himself and is booked competently. But this approach sucks. 
in every way, and it needs to stop as soon as possible. Next up is Matt Riddle and Elias versus the Alpha Academy's Otis and Chad Gable. This match was a lot of fun as Gable gave Riddle a German suplex on the hardest part of the ring. You guessed in the ring apron. Riddle kicks out every sign of riser and Elias makes a comeback on Chad Gable. At one point, the Alpha Academy double teams Elias and Gable lands a flying headbutt, but Riddle breaks up the cover. From there, Riddle makes a blind tag and proceeds to deliver a series of strikes to Gable before wiping out Gable and Otis with a floating bro on the outside. Gable recovers, goes for the chaos theory suplex riddle flips out of that and lands a knee strike the rocks gable riddle makes attack to elias elias drops gable with the drift away makes another attack to riddle who goes up top and hits the floating bro on chad gable as riddle and elias get the win over alpha academy the fans do come to life for the finish of this match as they cheer on riddle who was without bongos this week thank god for that he had his scooter which was a step up and hopefully a step in the right direction for him to be taken a bit more seriously once again. A fun tag team match. You got better down the stretch, even though I'm not quite feeling Elias still back in this role. And what's weird is that Ezekiel was a good wrestler, but the beard and personality of Elias was lacking. But with Elias being back, I feel as if he set a ceiling as a character that the sing along with Elias has very short legs to get him over and he needs to find a way to really click with the audience. I don't know what he has to do, but he's a good worker. He has charisma, but the character I think has overstayed his welcome. Ezekiel was cute and fun for a while, but there needs to be more to Elias and a song number to get people to say, walk with Elias. I need a bit more because he can do more if you give him more at the end of the day. Next up is a WrestleMania rematch of all things involving Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Because let's go back to WrestleMania earlier this year. History was made. For the first time ever, someone kicked out of End of Days. And that man was Drew McIntyre. And it was a moment. And according to JBL, it can never happen again when the wrestling god is representing the next wrestling god in the ring. And that theory was put to the test. The match was good, but Corbin's character sucks and he has zero charisma with JBL. I will keep saying this until I'm blue in the face. Broke ass Baron Corbin is the best. I loved broke poor Corbin. That would have gave him a baby face lift eventually to actually get over. But they screwed the pooch on that by giving him his money back and making him into a comedy act with Matt Cat Moss. And that has short legs as well. And now he's with JBL and they have no chemistry as an alliance, unfortunately. I don't feel this partnership whatsoever. As for the match, Drew McIntyre will always give it his all. And Baron Corbin works well with Drew. They deliver good matches. Last night was no exception, even though the heat was a bit lacking. As this was a nice big hoss battle with McIntyre landing a headbutt and Corbin follows up with the clothesline. And he has a suplex as well off the middle rope for a near fall. McIntyre lands a spine buster for a near fall as well. Corbin has a choke slam for two. And Drew McIntyre responds with a future shock DDT. Corbin ducks a Claymore kick and lands a modified Samoan drop for a very close near fall. So Corbin gets upset and he sends McIntyre into the announce table and the ring post. But McIntyre suplexes him and shoves him back in the ring. Drew goes for the Claymore once more, but JBL distracts him ever so slightly at ringside, which allows Corbin to land the deep six on McIntyre for a near fall. So we get more distractions at ringside, courtesy of Akira Tozawa, who now has blonde hair. He's dishing ninja gear for more traditional garb, which I appreciate. But he goes after JBL's cowboy hat. 
and he runs away. See, I don't like this because I don't like this approach of making Japanese wrestlers look so infantile. It's so stereotypical and I can't stand it. So I love Akira Tozawa. He's so talented. He's a badass if you book him as such. But this childlike shit, I'm not feeling at all. And this leads to Drew McIntyre landing the Claymore and Baron Corbin for the win. The match was all right. The crowd, he was kind of so-so for it all. Akira Tozawa is too good for this mess. And the sooner he's away from Corbin and JBL, the better. But preferably, I need Corbin to get the hell away from JBL because there's no chemistry there. They don't work as a partnership and he needs to be broke. I beg of thee. He needs to be poor. He needs to have a lack of Wagyu beef in his life. Spaghetti shirt, come back, please, because that is where the money is at to actually get him over as a viable character that could be a good baby face someday. I'm begging for it. Please, pretty please. As we segue to war games backstage involving the EOC and the Judgment Day, they brawl outside in the parking lot. We got Mia Yim and Rhea Ripley going at it when Rhea boots Mia out of the frame, which I laughed at as we hype ourselves up for Finn Balor versus AJ Styles one-on-one as Survivor Series should be a great match for given time on the main show. As we now segue to our main event segment involving Asuka versus Rhea Ripley, the winner of this match will gain the advantage for their team heading into War Games this Saturday on Peacock. Now, Bianca Belair is a beloved babyface over as the Raw Women's Champion, but she made a cardinal sin of teasing something that will not be given to the Albany crowd by saying, we're going to save the reveal for our fifth team member for Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. These fans were like, what the fuck? We feel ripped off. And they actually booed Bianca a bit because they want the surprise on this show not in another city. So damage control comes out and Bailey calls out Bianca Belair for stalling. And she claims that Bianca's team really don't walk with her that way because they only want a shot at that Raw Women's Championship, which they have no shot at to begin with. And we just go back in time to the date of this feud between damage control, Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss kicking off after SummerSlam. It's been a long time coming. We can blow this thing off right then and there. Asuka is over the noise, ready to face off against Rhea Ripley, and Rhea's ready to go too, as that's our main event. The actual match between these two was pretty good. Crowd heat was so-so. And I always go back to Rhea Ripley versus Asuka matches last year, and they weren't very good because they did not develop chemistry yet. Because let's not forget, Rhea Ripley was legit sitting in catering after the Warrior Rumble, waiting for her debut. And it happened earlier than expected when Charlotte caught COVID before WrestleMania in Tampa and Rhea was pushed into a championship match against Asuka. She wins. It was a bit too early for her as the match quality between herself and Asuka was so-so. It got better the more they worked together because when you knock off the ring rust, you're going to find yourself once again. And that was Rhea's drawback during her early run on Monday Night Raw. Found herself this year with Judgment Day and she's been on a roll ever since being cleared to get back in the ring and this match was a clear indicator of that as this was a strong style match with a lot of slapping and stiff shots at one point Oscar delivers a hip attack to the side of Rhea's head. Rhea drop kicks Asuka off the top rope and on the floor. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Rhea Ripley is going to land into the ring post after Asuka dodges the charge by Rhea. 
and Asuka is going to land a series of kicks, back fists, and a code breaker on Rhea Ripley, followed by a German suplex for a new fall. Rhea fights back and locks in the prism trap, sending Cloverleaf, but Asuka slips out of that. Rhea Ripley goes to the top rope, but Asuka is going to yank her down and lands a sliding knee for a near fall as well. Rhea comes back with a headbutt and a gorgeous Northern Light suplex for two. And when Asuka kicks out of the Northern Light suplex, Rhea Ripley is so mad that she rips off her eyelashes and she tries to pick them back up later but she was so mad the eyelashes had to go so we get damage control and Nikki Cross coming out alongside Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss trying to corner Asuka and in doing so we have some kerfuffles as Rhea is distracted long enough for Asuka to apply an on bar Rhea fights out of that they counter each other for a bit and Rhea lands the riptide on Asuka for the win after the match is over we get a brawl involving both teams heading into war games where Ripley delivers a headbutt to Alexa Bliss and sends her into the barricade she goes after Bianca Belair at one point as well when Io Sky and Dakota Kai double team Bianca on Bailey's behalf Mia Yim comes out to go after Rhea Ripley as they brawl into the crowd and Asuka wipes out everyone including her own team with a cross body off the top rope as the announcers run through the War Games card for this Saturday, and the show goes off the air with a replay of the ladies going at it at ringside, setting up their War Games match at Survivor Series as well. This was a nice way to end the show. Crowd each so-so until they were brawling at ringside to end the show on a good note. The fifth woman will be announced during SmackDown on Friday night. I have my picks of who should be in the last slot. It could be Becky Lynch, could be Beth Phoenix, both having beef with Rhea Ripley and Damage Control, respectively. That could make sense. You do not make this announcement for a lesser name on Friday, the day before Survivor Series. At this point, you should save the reveal for the actual PLE, but they're waiting until Friday to draw a number, and I hope it counts, and it matters when it's all said and done. Overall, this was an all right show heading into Survivor Series War Games this Saturday on Peacock. Show peaked with the opener involving Kevin Owens, the Brawling Bruce, and Judgment Day. The matches were okay most of the way through. Crowd wanted to like the show. They did for a portion of it. Kind of died down towards the end. That is the flow of Monday Night Raw these days. Hot start, so middle flat finish it's got to change heading into early next year as we prep for the Warrior Rumble. But War Games as Survivor Series should be very fun. Bloodline, Brawling Brutes, KO, Drew McIntyre, Hot Match, Triple Threat for the U.S. title. Rollins, Theory, Lashley could be sneaky damn good. Finn Balor, AJ Styles could be a great match. The Women's War Games match could be great if booked properly and given time to over compensate for the so-so feud between Damage Control and Team Belair over the last few months. This is the last PLE for WWE this year outside of an NXT deadline on Saturday, December 10th. Here's hoping the main roster closes out the year on a high note as we get ready for the holiday season of some shows that could have some sauce to it as we approach the Royal Rumble in January. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 148 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and our Instagram at Wrestletopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows The drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, such Wrestletopia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, 
Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon, Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 95 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,